happy girl. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another podcast of Women at the Well Ministries, where we believe that all of us have to come to Jesus like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Our highest priority is making God real in your life. Whether you are listening in our app, in your favorite podcasting app, or on our website at watwm.org, we invite you to sit down with us as we look to the scriptures to learn more about God and to strengthen your daily walk with Jesus Christ. In this episode of the Woman at the Well Ministries podcast, join Kim Miller and Erica Close in a conversation as we walk with Jesus. In today's conversation, we find ourselves in the 40 days before Easter, commonly known as Lent, and we begin a series of conversations about the week leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. Join us as we look at these events and their message for our lives. Well, thank you all so much for joining us in today's podcast. My name is Erica Close, and I am here with Kimberly Miller. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us as we spend the next few weeks walking through the week prior to Easter and really getting our hearts in shape to really be present Mm -hmm. for the Easter season and realizing that it is a time to reflect and a time to really understand what Jesus did for us and why we needed it. And I just am so excited that we're going to spend the next few Wednesday mornings um, doing that. So thank you for joining us, and we hope that you'll be able to uh, hear each and every one of the podcasts on this subject as we do the Holy Week of Easter. I love this. I, I think it's, you know, it's so important to, to take the time to sort of prepare for Easter because I think that it's easy to get caught up in all of the other preparations for Easter. And the most important thing is that our hearts are prepared for that day, right? It doesn't matter the size of our meal or the dress that we're wearing on that day, right? But I think that's, it's easy to get caught up in that, but our hearts need to be ready for Easter. Amen. So we start Easter week or Holy Week on Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday commemorates or starts or lets us understand the beginning of the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. And so that's when the palm branches were placed in his path and all the people along the sides were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lord. And this is right before his arrest on Holy Thursday and his crucifixion on Good Friday. So it marks the beginning of Holy Week and is the final week of Lent. But we are starting it now so that while we have this season of 40 days with us, that we are able to really fully get our hearts and minds in tune with Jesus. Jesus entered Jerusalem in a specific way that uniquely identified him. And it identified him as Israel's Messiah, which was a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. So we're going to read the Old Testament's prophets' account, 
and what they had to say, beginning in Psalm 118.15. All right, so we're going to start in Psalms 118.15, which says, The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Then we'll move on to verse 19, and I'm going to read through 24, and then Erica will pick up a part of 26. But beginning in verse 19, it says, Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation." The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And then Psalms 118.26 begins with, Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so remember that Palm Sunday is commemorating his entrance into Jerusalem. It is the beginning of them understanding that this is the Messiah's fulfillment of that Old Testament prophecy, that Jesus coming in that triumphant entry is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah. Zechariah 9.9 continues to say, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. I love the specificity in that prophecy. It is so specific. And when we finish out that Old Testament prophecy, and then we head right over to the New Testament account, we can't help but see so many parallels. But that prophecy is important to keep in your mind as Erica is getting ready to read in your hearing the fulfillment of that prophecy in that triumphant entry of Jesus Christ, the prophesied Messiah. So we're in Matthew 21, and we're reading 1 through 11. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage unto the Mount of Olives, Then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them to me. And if any man say aught unto thee, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before And that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come unto Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. 
And as we look at this setting of Jesus coming in and the people throwing the palm branches as he comes in and, and, and declaring, Hosanna, Hosanna, I want you to pay close attention to what happens in verse 10. At the very end of it, it says, who is this? That verse says, and when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? When Jesus is on the scene, everybody notices. He is not obscured. He doesn't blend in. He is on the scene. And when he's on the scene, then things change. The people are moved, it says. But there's a question in there that I think all of us should ponder for a moment. And the question is, who is this? Who is Jesus to you? As you're beginning to formulate your answer to that question, I want you to also ponder this. Jesus came in and his presence stirred the people to want to know who he was. I submit to you that Jesus living in us in the form of the Holy Spirit should make people who are around us want to know what it is about us that makes us different, what it is about us that makes us a peculiar person. So as you're pondering your answer to the question, who is this? I want you to also ask yourself, not only who is Jesus to you, but is Jesus so obvious in your life, in your personality, in your activities, in your character, that those around you see him? aren't are moved to ask something that allows you to tell them about who he is. Because everywhere we go, we're taking the presence of Jesus with us. But everywhere we go, it's also our role to share Jesus. And we can do that, like you said, with the actions that we take, with the behaviors that we manifest with how we respond to situations. Just like people physically seeing Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem said, who is this? People should be able to say about us. They should see. They may not know that it's Jesus that makes us the way we are. But something in them is going to say, what is different here? It's different here about this person. Because if we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, which is Jesus in us, we can't be like the world. We're going to be a peculiar person, zealous of good works, as we are commanded to be. So what is your life truly saying about Jesus? That's really the question I believe we need to keep in our minds all throughout this, this season of Lent, but especially during Holy Week. Really tying down in our hearts and our minds what impact Jesus has on our life. And the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 
that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So if things aren't happening in your life to move and stir people towards Jesus, it isn't because of the Holy Spirit in you. It's because of how you are limiting the work of the Holy Spirit in you and how you're not allowing him to have full reign of your heart and your life. And that is a tremendous concept that we have to think about in our lives and really do what we need to be doing so that Jesus is the first thing that enters the room when we enter it, not ourselves. Jesus needs to be evident. And I think, you know, Palm Sunday in many of our our churches is the day that we celebrate, but I think the very best way that that we can celebrate that, what we call that triumphal entry of Jesus, is that when we enter any space, any group, any conversation, whatever it might be, we need to be allowing, having that same triumphal entry of Jesus with us. You know, we need to be what carries Jesus into every situation. That's our role as Christians. And I think that starts with acknowledging who Jesus is and giving him his rightful place in our heart and in our life. And as we begin to think about the passages of Scripture that we've read and you're hearing, there's a few things that we have talked about, Eric and I, that can be overlooked if you're not really paying attention to them. So we want to just offer a few thoughts about that. And we do hope that you go back and and especially read um, the account of his entry into the city in Matthew 21 1 through 11, but those Old Testament verses give you those first understanding of how it was prophesied. And so that's amazing to see how the scriptures just connect and they keep each other um, in line one with another. But what I want to talk about first is the religious rulers. They were plotting for his death and seeking to arrest him. And they were watching this whole thing happen. Right. And the reason they didn't arrest him was because of the multitudes that were crying, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, a few days later, the crowd's going to cry, crucify him, crucify him. And the priests are going to comply. But what I want you to first see is the power of the group of people who were praising Jesus. Those chief priests were coming to arrest him, but they didn't do it because because of the crowd. Because the crowd was crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And that really should cause us to take a moment of pause. There are unbelievable things that are being tolerated in our society today because we are tolerating them. And especially when they first started coming on the scene, we just didn't stand up. We didn't make the voice of Jesus known. But this crowd makes it known that they are praising Jesus who's coming into the city. And it kept the rulers from doing what they had planned because the majority of the crowd was loud. And I think sometimes we as Christians, we just simply do not exercise that power we have as a collective group. And I love that it's a collective group 
to praise Jesus and, and, and hold up Jesus, right? That's what they were doing. As the large group, they were just praising Jesus in that situation. I think we're all just called to praise Jesus in every situation. And one of the other things, which is the flip side of that, that I think we need to take close look at, is that one of the reasons that the chief priests stumbled and they fell over that stumbling stone was that they were following the crowd and not the Messiah. Mm. So sometimes we don't stand up and exercise our power of the Holy Spirit in this majority crowd of Christians that we find ourselves in in some instances, but we certainly are a number to be, to be noticed if we would just speak up. But sometimes we don't because like these chief priests, we are following the crowd and what they're doing and not the Messiah. They were trying to let the crowd dictate what was going on, which is why in a different crowd, they crucified him because that crowd said crucify him. So you can see the power of the crowd, but you can see that the chief priests have their eyes on the wrong thing. They have it on the crowd and not on Jesus. Jesus. And I wonder how many times that that happens to us because the majority of people often do get it wrong. Now, I know in the beginning, just a few minutes ago, I said, we as Christians have a, have a big crowd and we need to let our voice known, but we're usually not the vast majority in the public crowd, but they're still big enough numbers for us to make a difference, for us to get people's attention, for us to sway things in the way of Jesus, but we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the crowd. So do you have Matthew 6.13 that you could read, Erica? Absolutely. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And then verse 14, And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he goes on and he's talking to Peter and he says, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Peter in 16 says, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So that question in verse 10 is still ringing in this passage because it's saying, who is this? Who is this? The crowd says that Jesus is the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Peter speaks from personal knowledge, and Peter speaks from a personal experience. And I think that every single one of us must speak from a personal relationship and a personal experience because he's more than a prophet. He was the Christ. And the crowd and those who doesn't know him as Savior would know him as a prophet. But only those who are born-again believers who've experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ can speak of him from experience of a personal relationship. 
And this is the time we need to reflect upon who our life says he is, who we say he is, and are we speaking in generalities that you could read in a book or you could study a little bit, or are we speaking from specific experiences? Is our life a light, like we're told in Matthew 5, that is showing a personal relationship with Jesus that lets them know who he is? He was more than a prophet. He was the Christ. And I think that what's important there is Jesus is the Messiah that none of them knew. So they, the, these, this crowd really didn't know what they were saying. This crowd was saying, you know, this is Jesus, the prophet. And when he went into the city, they were saying, Hosanna to the son of David. But they didn't know exactly what they were saying. They were completely fulfilling that prophecy. And yet they didn't know of what they were saying that he truly was the Messiah. If they had understood that, the events of the rest of the week might have looked different. Their response may have been different. They fulfilled that prophecy. They called him the son of David, and yet they didn't know. And we see that the way he entered in fulfilled what we read in Zechariah 9.9 that it fulfilled what we were talking about in Psalms 118. It confirmed that he was the Christ from the scriptures. The disciples only put the pieces together after Jesus had really ascended. Right, when they saw it. When they saw it, and they had to really figure that out. And so we have the blessing of having the scriptures. And in doing so, we need to read them, like we're told in 2 Timothy 2.15, we need to study them, like we're told in 2 Timothy 2.15, and we need to live them. And we need to be holy as he is holy. Because our lives and how we live our lives are how the kingdom of God is manifested here on earth, right? Because these, the way that Jesus was praised as he came into that city was like a king, would have come into the city. And yet the kingdom did not come at that day, right? They, they, that was as if a political king had come in, but that didn't happen. And that throng of people was singing the praises when Jesus entered, but there wasn't any triumph there. Jesus was, we know him as king, but he didn't come in as a, as a king on that day. The kingdom did not come. And I think that's what is so important there is, you know, Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem because they didn't know who he was. And he wept because he knew that they were going to shout crucify, crucify him just a few days later. The full impact of his kingdom did not come at that time. There was much for Jesus to weep about on that day. But you know... Part of the thing that we are looking back now on this side of the cross that we need to be so grateful for is the grace. Yes. Because on that day, no one knew the gospel grace. There were, you know, a few of his disciples knew and believed he was Christ, but they didn't know why he kept telling them that he was going to die and rise again. 
And Jesus had told him that he was going into Jerusalem to die, but they were not aware of what that really meant. But we know the gospel of grace. We understand what it means. And we need to be very grateful for the gospel of grace. And live out of a grateful heart for that grace all the time. And even though we do have the gospel of grace, and we do have the scriptures, and in our country, we can go to church anytime we want to, and we can speak the name of Jesus out loud. But still yet today, there are Christian people, religions, they're called Christian religions, they're really not probably Christians, that still do the same thing that was done 2,000 years ago. They're preaching a false doctrine. They're still looking for the Messiah, but the Messiah has come. And they're still so-called Christians today that follow the crowd instead of make their allegiance with Jesus. And make a, a personal allegiance. And so, so many people are going through the motions, and they're not much different than the crowd that was screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Because they, for a time, screamed, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But then they didn't have the personal knowledge. So when the crowd started to scream, crucify, 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 they went along. Because they didn't know Jesus. We don't want to be like that. Right. We, we have to know better. We should know better. Because there's going to be a day when Christ is going to return. And he's going to come as king of kings and lord of lords. And he's going to be king over all the earth. And we need to make sure we don't repeat the errors that we read about in Matthew. But that we put our heart and our mind focused solely upon him. And that we let our lives preach the gospel to those that are around us. See, we need to be good stewards of the gospel. And we need to preach the glory of the cross. And we need to let people know that Christ is the best news the world has ever received. Amen. And we do that by making sure we are walking in his commandments and walking in his love. Well, we are grateful that you have chosen to join us for our first entry in our series on the Holy Week and what it means for each of us. And we encourage you, as we are doing, to search your heart and your lives to make sure that you fully know Christ is your Savior and that you have fully put your trust in him and are committed to living a Christ-centered, Christ-purposed life. Remember, you are loved. Jesus loves you. Thank you for joining us in today's podcast. You can visit the show notes for quotes from today's podcast and scripture references. We pray today has been a blessing and we encourage you to reach out to us through our app, our website, or our Facebook page. You can find our app by searching for Woman at the Well Ministries in your app store or through our website at watwm.org. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash watwm. 
If you visit our website, you'll be able to subscribe to Bible Bits, a daily devotion written by Kim and delivered Monday through Friday by text message. Woman of the Well Ministries is a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving our Heavenly Father. And it is through your loving and generous support that our ministry continues to bless others. To learn how to partner with Woman at the Well Ministries, please visit our website. Thank you to the gospel group Fudge Creek for letting us use their hit song, Happy Girl. We greatly appreciate your prayers. We are praying daily for our listeners. Remember that God loves you. You are loved. Happy girl.